let's face it, the losses of Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown are huge, but not something this 2023 Penn State secondary can overcome. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host of Locked On Nittany Lions, Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me. It is the secondary preview, defensive backs, the cornerbacks, and the safeties. Break that down in the first two segments and just talk about in the final segment, what's going on with Penn State men's basketball and Penn State men's hockey as this wasn't really a good weekend for either team. Uh, but Penn State football, uh, the defense is pretty thorough, went through the defensive line, went through the linebackers, and now here we are with the secondary, and we'll begin with the cornerbacks before we go to the safeties. But first and foremost, Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith have done an incredible job with this group. It, it is why premier cornerbacks come to Penn State. The, the way that they are churning out NFL talent left and right, from Jaquan Brisker to now Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. They just keep on cranking prospects out for the pros. And, and it's not going to be any different when I bring up some of these upcoming freshmen, uh, these new guys into the program, uh, but the veterans that are, are getting older now. And there's really not that much of a drop off. It's something that Penn State can overcome the loss of Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown. One is going to be a little more difficult than the other. Uh, but we'll begin with the cornerbacks and the loss of Joey Porter Jr. Statistically, he was good. He wasn't great in 2022 statistically. Okay. But he he's everything you ask for in terms of an NFL prospect because of the size, the way that he's able to be on an island. That's where he was most valuable is the fact that you didn't have, you could say Joey Porter Jr. Go to that side of the field and you cover it. You do not let that receiver uh, have any wiggle room. And that's exactly what Joey Porter did for you. But he didn't have any interceptions, zero interceptions, because I think quarterbacks figured out pretty quickly not to throw it to his side. He did have 11 pass breakups, so he got his hands on 11 passes, one fumble recovery at that as well. Just he took away one side of the field, second team All-American, first team All-Big Ten, extremely intelligent, instinctive. You're not going to find many players like him, not going to find many players like him. But you can overcome this loss because of Kalen King. Because of Kalen King, Kalen King can develop into that superstar corner if if he hasn't already, right? The season that he had in 2022 and why Penn State was able to finish the way that it did, 11-2. and two. Oh, Rose Bowl win. Kalen King had that interception in the Rose Bowl against Utah. With the respect that Joey Porter Jr. was getting, think about this. Quarterbacks had no choice. Offenses had no choice but to go to the other side of the field, wherever Joey Porter Jr. wasn't, and it allowed Kalen King to show that he was elite. The more interceptions that you get, the more times your receiver is targeted or that you are in the area uh, area of your receiver. So statistically, Kalen King was much better than Joey Porter Jr., 18 pass breakups, which was one of the best in the country. Three interceptions, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. He's got great ball skills. It, it shows right there. Ideal size, you know, five foot 11, 190 pounds. He becomes the true number one cornerback, and he'll handle the responsibility accordingly. He can be just as good as Joey Porter Jr. Teams aren't going to throw his way. 
in, in 2023. You can, you know that for a fact, he's someone that you can put on an Island and say, go take away that side of the field. That is what Penn state wants to do. They want to have that dominant cornerback, that isolated cornerback where they just, they have no safety help and it allows the defense to go and do whatever it wants. The blitzes, why Manny Diaz is able to send seven guys because he trusts the four back in the secondary. And one of them most notably is going to be Kalen King. So the secondary is in good hands, literally, with Kalen King in coverage. Who's going to start alongside him? Well, Johnny Dixon returns. You have other up-and-coming talented players, freshmen, but it's from the transfer portal. Should Storm Duck start as that second quarter cornerback? Well, Storm Duck comes in from North Carolina out of the transfer portal, and so far reports indicate, and from what we've heard from coaches, he is all business. He's all business. He, 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 yeah, he has fun, but... He's been a guy that's come into camp and winter workouts and just performed and done everything you want him to do more than what you expect him. He was second team all ACC this past season, and that was for a bad UNC pass defense. Lone bright spot at the team's top corner, as described, 46 tackles, 10 pass breakups, three interceptions. So he's physical and like Caitlin King and Joey Porter Jr. knows how to make a play on the football. So this extra veteran player that you get out of the transfer portal, who's been in college football for four plus years now, tons of experience, and he's essentially being a captain. That's what Penn State needs more else than uh, more over than just the talent alone. Penn State needs leadership. Penn State needs veteran experience. You have to replace all six captains, and could Storm Duck be one of them? Potentially, and solid size, that's important when you're talking about cornerbacks because if you get uh, matched up against one of those six foot four, six foot five wide receivers, you need someone that's going to be able to go up and play with them. Uh, six foot, 205 pounds, so he's not going to be out physical on the boundary. Now, he could battle injuries at Penn State because that's what he's done so long in his career. I think he'd be off to the NFL if it hadn't been for some of his injuries at North Carolina, but uh, depth is going to be key here. And I think he's better than Johnny Dixon, and I think he's going to start over Johnny Dixon. But the reason Storm Duck wasn't brought in is because Johnny Dixon couldn't start. Johnny Dixon is an important component to this defense. But Johnny Dixon's going to be in a similar role that he was last season, and that was essentially the co-starter. The two cornerback spots, they have a number one, an isolated guy that is going to stay on the field nine times out of ten. That was Joey Porter Jr. Now that's Kalen King. In this case, when it was Kalen King and Johnny Dixon, it's now going to be Storm Duck and Johnny Dixon. They are going to be co-starters at that number two cornerback position. So that's not a bad thing. You want you want to be able to rotate guys in. The, the starter backup thing, that, that really doesn't matter because when you look at a lot of the player profiles from Penn State last year, guys don't have on their resumes 13 games, 13 games started. No, they have appeared in all 13 games and started something like eight of them. Okay, if they're a starter one week, that that's fine. It's a matter of snaps. It's a matter of reps. I, I think everybody gets that. But just because somebody's not a starter, they're essentially six men, like in basketball, but in this case, football. And Johnny Dixon is that. He's going to be that co-starter where he can rotate in for Kalen King if he needs a break 
or Storm Duck, where he's going to be uh, more often than not in that spot. And that's and that's fine. You want guys that can be able to go in at any point in time. And he's got an ideal size, too. He's not a smaller cornerback. He is six foot, 190 pounds. So all three of these guys have respectable size. He was honorable Big Ten last season. He had 10 pass breakups and two interceptions in a reserve-like role, in the non-starting role, if you will. And he's going to even have more responsibility in 2023. So Johnny Dixon, he's a stick, he's a sticky coverage player. I think where Johnny Dixon lacks is the ball skills because even with the 10 pass breakups, it's because he's really good at sticking with his man. But as far as ball skills go, there were times that he would lose the one-on-one battles and, and you would notice it was hard not to, but that's Johnny Dixon and he's going to have a much larger role in 2023. Don't forget about the slot cornerback, and that is Daquan Hardy. I would say a disappointing season by the standard that we've seen from him. Uh, It was just okay last year. There were times where he felt like he was the odd man out in coverage, that he wasn't uh, holding up his end of the bargain, but he anchors the slot, and not a lot of other guys can handle the slot cornerback position, which makes Daquan Hardy so valuable And, and lacks the size compared to the teammates I just named five foot nine, 180 pounds, but that's a better fit to cover those shifty slot receivers. Uh, he's the X factor. He's the X factor because given the stability of the other cornerbacks and Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, and now what Penn state has in storm duck, I, I think that his play is going to what separates the cornerback group from good to great. If he's able to return to his previous status or just even get better than that, since he has another year with the program, everyone's looking for a breakout star. Who's going to be that next up-and-coming player because it was Kalen King not too long ago? Now it's Cam Miller. Cam Miller is the easy choice. He's the only choice. Anybody else that that says otherwise, that's fine. That's all great, but it is Cam Miller from everything I've heard. Miller is getting serious reps. He was getting serious reps down the end of the stretch of the season. He played in 11 games, so he burned his red shirt. He had that green light as a true freshman. Made a few tackles, not too many notably. He had about five, but... Always what was interesting was he was brought up by coaches and teammates, a former quarterback, Sean Clifford, just casually saying, you know, uh, we're going through these reps. And, you know, someone that really stood out uh, was it was Cam Miller. And it's just like, whoa, if your sixth year quarterback teammate is bringing you up and you're just a freshman who hasn't been on campus for that long, that means you're doing something right. So Cam Miller, I think, is going to be a part of that long list of these superstar cornerbacks that come through Penn State. He's six foot, 180 pounds. Like him to add a little more size. That will come. He's only set two years into the program, uh, and he will be next in line to play after a Kalen King, a Storm Duck, a Johnny Dixon. He is essentially cornerback number four, the coaches like him a lot. He is the breakout candidate if he can obviously stay healthy. Then there are the freshmen. There's Elliot Washington, who I think has the most promise. He was listed as a safety coming in as a recruit, but he should play cornerback. From what I'm hearing, early indications is that Washington is supposed to become that next elite boundary corner, that he's going to go into that role of Joey Porter Jr., Kalen King, Cam Miller, and then Elliot Washington. On top of that, there's Zion Tracy, who's one of the better prospects out of New York, and Lamont Payne, one of the cornerback prospects out of Pennsylvania. Most important part of all three, they enrolled early. They're here. They're already on campus. So the cornerback room is deep. There's a lot of talent. Even if it's unproven, there's still guys that can play ball. So uh, with Joey Porter Jr. leaving, this can be uh, this can be overcome. And, and you know, that's 
Joey Porter Jr. is really talented, but Penn State's got the reinforcements to uh, make it not seem as too big of a loss. As Locked On Nittany Lions, the secondary preview, the defensive backs, the safeties are up next after a word from our sponsor, and that is Built. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise the taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built with Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You will not think they're good for you. It is perfect for the New Year's resolution that's still going on. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come believe they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it. I'm really not, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't got to wait around for a box. For years, we've been telling you, order your Built Bars at Built.com. I can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk into the pharmacy section and buy yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hip flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. And thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out the brand new podcast, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The safeties, the loss of Jair Brown is, in fact, bigger than the loss of Joey Porter Jr. And that was something at the beginning, you know, which which one was going to be more impactful. I say Jair Brown because he did a little bit of everything. This is going to be the toughest task, I think, for Penn State overall, aside from finding six new captains, finding new leadership on the team, because there are guys that are capable of being leaders. Just the fact that they're all first time. But with that being said, Jair Brown was a leader and he was your jack of all trades. 66 tackles, 50 of them were solo, most importantly. Five tackles are a lot for a loss, three sacks, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, three pass breakups, five quarterback hurries. That's what you're losing. You don't duplicate that in one person. You might duplicate it across a couple of positions. But Jair Brown literally did it all. He was someone that his junior year, starting in 2021, led the nation in interceptions. And then he became this all-around safety. You could put him in the box. He could run downhill, make the hit. He could play center field, play over the top. And that's what he was primarily doing as a free safety because you had Jaquan Brisker. But then Jair Brown moved into that Jaquan Brisker role where he became the hybrid, where he became a do-it-all. And Penn State is going to have to find somebody like that. So where you have a direct replacement for Joey Porter Jr. with Kalen King, you don't exactly have that with Jair Brown. Jair Brown, 15 takeaways in 33 games played, one of the smartest players on the field at all times, a ball hawk, fearless when it came to making a tackle, a true do-it-all safety. I, I have no idea how he is not a top three safety, according to most scouts when it comes to the NFL draft. He's really being overlooked by draft scouts right now. So, who is the guy that is going to step up? Well, there's a few options here. Zachy Wheatley, Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis, maybe a breakout player. 
Is Zach Key Wheatley even ready, though? Zach Key Wheatley uh, is an interesting case because it depends how Penn State wants to utilize him because he is not your all-around safety. But we're, uh, what I will argue is that he's your best coverage safety. He is your traditional deep coverage ball hawking safety, which is great. Zone coverage skills, the best, on, honestly, the best on the team. And I would say, I would go as far to say uh, similar to Jair Brown's, if not better. I think if Zach He Wheatley played consistently starter snaps or significant reps last year, he would have led the team in interceptions because he has the best zone coverage skills right now on the team. Man coverage is up there as well. They trusted him in the slot. He is somebody that just is good when it comes to pass defense. And if Wheatley is to play a bunch, Penn State is probably going to shift away with what it does for its responsibilities at safety because he specializes in one category, whereas Jair Brown was the do it all. He's not a box safety. He's long. He's lengthy. He's six foot two. He's not really built to be down in the box. And you don't ask him to. Penn State didn't ask him to come down and to make hits. He's your classic center fielder. He is the ball hawking safety that's going to chase after the interception. Now, what does that mean for Jalen Reed? Well, it's more difficult to project if he's primed for that breakout because it depends how he recovers from off-season shoulder surgery. And, and this isn't some inside information. This isn't secret. Uh, he injured himself in the Rose Bowl and had to leave the game early and then opted for surgery immediately after. Uh, but he is more of that inside-the-box type of safety. He's bigger. He can cover well, but I would say if you split Jair Brown into two people, one of them, the coverage side, would be Zach Hugh Wheatley, and the other side would be Jalen Reed. There were, there were talks about other Penn State figures in the media. If Jalen Reed should move into that Jonathan Sutherland role and essentially become that Sam, that strong side linebacker, uh, we, we could have saw that, but I don't think we're going to because they need him back there at the safety position. So I can see a combination of Reed and Wheatley playing both into their strengths where Reed is that downhill essentially an additional linebacker, your traditional strong safety, whereas Zach Wheatley is your traditional over-the-top safety, your center fielder. And what does that make of Keaton Ellis? Well, Keaton Ellis, I think, will be the starter, as a matter of fact. I think we're going to see Zach Wheatley and Keaton Ellis to start in those uh, two starting safety spots, where Ellis is going to be that strong safety. I mean, he was the starter initially, but split reps with a lot of different guys. Jair, Jair Brown was consistent as the free safety, but Keaton Ellis was the one that played that other safety role and then rotated in with, with guys like Jalen Reed and then Zach Key Wheatley would rotate in as well and Jair Brown would move to that strong safety role and come down into the box. Now here's your breakout player, kind of like Cam Miller. K.J. Winston, I haven't heard enough about K.J. Winston, I swear. Can he jump up the depth chart? Well, some people do, in fact, project that he will jump past Jalen Reed and others on the depth chart and be that starting safety alongside Keaton Ellis. Uh, he's certainly in line for a breakout prediction, but to say that he is going to be a starter come fall, I think it's pretty lofty, but kind of like Cam Miller. I've had the, the, the same interactions with people that are close to the program that say, KJ Winston was, is one of those guys that we believe in kind of like a Cam Miller where they don't explicitly say it, but when they bring it up unprovoked, when you ask them specifically, and there's this glow about them, you know, that there's, they are special Winston like Miller is just ahead of fellow younger secondary players. Now he's instinctive. He's smart, but where he, where he is 
football smart, he does lack a, a little bit of the physical traits. He's just not as fast as some players. He he needs to use his football knowledge to get to certain places and not necessarily, I don't want to say cheat, but basically jump to a spot because he can read the play so well. His natural ability isn't going to take him there. So if he can build some more athleticism with another year in the program, he can become that complete all around safety. It is locked on Nittany Lines. My name is Zach Seiko, your host. And let's move to Penn State men's basketball and Penn State men's hockey because came away from the weekend a little disappointed in the results. Penn State men's basketball losing 59 to 56. I'll save the ice hockey team for last because they actually won, but Penn State men's hockey up 19 at home, feeling pretty good in the second half. And then Blow that lead and lose by three to a scrappy Rutgers team. They're tournament bound. They'll probably be an eight, nine seed around there. So they're a good team, but you don't lose that game. You just don't. Uh, whatever changes weren't made, uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure what the breakdown happened. My my thoughts are when you're up by 19, uh, your two best shooters in, in, in the whole country, Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk. Combined for one three-pointer on 18 attempts. Seth Lundy was 0 for 11 from three-point range, one of 16 from the field, and Andrew Funk had three points. He's only had one three-pointer made in the past few games. That doesn't sound like a team that should be in the tournament. Jalen Pickett had 11 points in the first half, none in the second half, did not attempt a field goal. To add insult to injury with the way that Rutgers defense played, Rutgers held Penn State without a field goal for an entire, that a made basket, an entire nine minutes and 16 seconds. That's how bad that loss was. After you were up by 19 at home early in the second half. Penn State, if you can believe this, can make the NCAA tournament still. They can boost the resume with a quad one win against Northwestern. That is on the road Wednesday, March 1st. A quad one win at home at a now top 25 Maryland team on Sunday, March 5th for senior day. And then you need some help in the Big Ten tournament. Hopefully Penn State doesn't have to play that opening round as one of the double digit seeds. Hopefully they can finish outside of the bottom four because then they will get a bye. But if you're going to play, you got to win, I think, at least three games in the Big Ten tournament. You don't need to win the Big Ten tournament. I mean, that would help. They get you that automatic qualifier, but they need to win. Two is pushing it. I don't know that that helps out the resume, but if they can win five in a row, that gets them in the NCAA tournament. Northwestern's a must win. Maryland's a must win. Two, but that doesn't get you to safety. Three does in the Big Ten tournament. That's how you do it if you're Penn State men's basketball. It's truly there are no mistakes from here on out if they want to win this game. It's for Penn State men's hockey. Wow. They beat up on Wisconsin 6-1 to Friday night. Everything looks good. Then they lose 2-1 to on Saturday. They couldn't have afforded a split in the series. Had they won both games, they would have been the fourth, maybe even the third seed in the Big Ten tournament. But now they're the sixth and the coaches, I thought they were goofy for putting them at sixth. Then look at that. Penn State men's hockey finishes sixth in the Big Ten. And they're going to have to travel to Ohio State to take on the Buckeyes in a three game series. Now, what's different here is Penn State is going to be in the NCAA tournament. They are currently eighth in the pairwise 
which is the most important rankings for college men's hockey and the top 16 teams get into the NCAA tournament. Of course, there are some automatic qualifiers in there from conference tournaments, but Penn state is safely in, even if they were to get swept by Ohio state, Ohio state is number nine in the pairwise. They are just right behind Penn state. So uh, they they were if they were to lose and get knocked out they'd be losing to a good team so they're they're safe but what's concerning from that is Wisconsin is the worst team in the Big Ten by far they're in the uh, lower thirties when it comes to the pairwise so uh, for the Big Ten bad but for overall in college hockey they're a respectable team this season Penn State on Senior Day at home against a team that they're significantly better than nevertheless. They lost two, and this was a team that had control of its destiny. And I felt like in the case for both men's basketball and men's hockey, they fumbled that. They had the chance to really secure themselves, boost themselves, and, and they didn't. So was it nerves? Was it – it had to have been because you were in complete control. You were the better team on both those days, and both teams lost. So – I don't know how concerning it is for Penn State. It definitely doesn't make me feel any better. If they go out and they beat Ohio State on the road in Columbus, I, I will feel a little strong, more strongly about the Nittany Lions. But going into this regional in Allentown, you want them to be the number one seed, but they're going to have to do a lot of work. They're going to have to beat Ohio State. They're going to have to beat Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament. And then whoever they get in the championship game, it really comes down to this Big Ten tournament. If they want a higher seeding overall, and if they want to be the regional top seed as the 16 go and battle for the Frozen Four in the NCAA tournament. It's going to do it for me on Locked On Nittany Lions. Once again, thanks for making us your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Special teams, the only position group remaining. And also on the way, I'm going to rank all of them, from special teams to quarterback, the position group's ranked from worst to best for the Penn State football team in 2023. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lines on YouTube. Follow wherever you get your podcasts for more Penn State sports content.